Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? How are you, foodies? Are you all eating, drinking your uh, pumpkin-spiced lattes and donuts? And uh, can you do anything else? Can you, you drink? You eat? Can you sniff, I guess? Are there pumpkin? I'm sure people have pumpkin candles in their apartments. This is also Han Solo season. I always love seeing the memes with women wearing, you know, boots and vests and white shirts and everything like that. So it's pumpkin spice season and Han Solo season. I'm not, you know, I like pumpkin pie. Uh, do I like anything else really pumpkiny? You know, not. I, I, I don't care about the lattes. N- none of that. Ice coffee all year long. Black. Maybe if I need a little pepper, just flavor a, a sugar in it or something like that. But uh, I had a very wonderful and excellent pumpkin-flavored, pumpkin-spiced beer at Iconic recently. Iconic, a brewery in Long Island City. Uh, I spoke with the owner a while ago, uh, you know, when I when I visited in early days of pandemic when we could go and just pick up stuff. And, you know, he said once it gets not crazy. So I feel like once, the, you know, now because everyone... This is a beautiful fall. Fall has sprung or fall has fallen. Uh, There we go. And yeah, so I got to talk to him again. I think once the the nice, once it becomes a little colder where people can't be enjoying the weather because I was there iconic and it was it was booming. You know, everyone respectable, respectable, uh, safe distance from one another. But was there and enjoying had some tacos as well and went to Big Alice. You guys know I love Big Alice, another brewery in Long Island City. Picked up a couple of four packs there. My fridge is getting way too full. Danielle is like, we have to start drinking this beer, which isn't the worst problem to have. But it's like I definitely buy more beer than I'm drinking or at the pace I'm drinking these days. So I think I need to purchase a mini fridge of sorts. I need a nightstand also, so maybe I'll just go back. That was like my routine in college. I had a I had a mini fridge as my nightstand. You know, it was perfect. It was right next right next to your bed. So, you know, you still feel a little rough in the morning, a little hair of the dog, a couple of bush lights. Oh, that'll fix you right up. What else is there, foodies? Well, it's, you know, the fall has fallen now. I don't think anyone else says that. 
But uh, so that means, I mean, this time last year, foodies, I was, was it this time last year? No, this is, is this already two years ago? No. How long ago? Yeah. Was I at Oktoberfest? Wow. I really thought that was just a, just a year ago. That must've been two years ago that I was, that I went to Oktoberfest. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Yep. Wow. That's how much. <laughs> I'm not going to take that out. I can edit that out. That's my mind. Uh, slow explosions going off. That's how much uh, I can't be the only one that just COVID the pandemic has just screwed up my sense of time and what years are now. So, yeah, two years ago, I was in Munchen in Munich for Oktoberfest. Yeah, wunderbar. And oh, I wish I could be there. Well, not really, because there is an Oktoberfest this year. So to all the Germans out there, to all my fellow world travelers, Prost, enjoy a beer or two or three, drink responsibly, enjoy whatever beer you want. Think of Munich and all of its glory and all of Oktoberfest. And until we meet again, boy. When will we get to travel again? I know. I What a first world problem to think. But, uh, you know, really enjoyed going to Maine. But I gotta, you know, even... I wonder if Canada will let us in. I've never been to Montreal, guys. I think I said that with the whole bagels and everything when I post about having Montreal bagels in, in Portland, Maine. Uh, great bagels, but I, I would love if... You know, if I enjoyed them that much in Portland, Maine, I can only imagine how good they are in actual Montreal. So, until we get to travel again. But guys, this episode, woo, this is a good one. This is a fun one. It's been beautiful weather. So I met my guest at a local park. Her, uh, She's got a toddler and her husband was entertaining their toddler. They were playing on the, uh, the, the playground in the background. We were sitting on a bench, respectful distance from one another. There's other people there. So you're going to hear people in the background, especially towards the end. Some kids get rowdy, but that's what kids are supposed to do at parks. So all good in my department. Uh, and my guest, of course, my guest, Laura Marchetti. I'm not trying to be wise with doing an accent, but I don't want to do... You're going to hear the whole shtick I do in the beginning. But this, this is great. Second wine person I've talked to. I had Joel Burt, you know, of Las Haras, a winemaker. And now I've got Laura Marchetti, the retailer. And so you're going to get to hear her whole story. And boy, I've only been to Rome. Just after talking to her, I'm like, I got to get to Italy. So Italy is on the short list of places I really have to go to once we can start traveling again. So without further ado, here I go talking with Laura owner of Riverview Wine and Spirits. All right, we're recording. We're just going to jump right into it. Let me just uh, make sure uh, how, how you pronounce your last name. Marchetti. Marchetti. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, you know, like being from Jersey, I'd say Marchetti or something. No, like sometimes that. I introduce <laughs> myself like that as well, but the pronunciation is Marchetti. You, yeah, it exactly. You, you live in Jersey City now, you know, Marchetti. Marchetti. <laughs> <laughs> sounds pretty. I can, I can roll with that. No, I'm not going to tell you how to pronounce your name. I'm not doing that here today. Laura, thank you so much for joining me on Foodie Films. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm a big fan of your store. It's a, uh, it's, I, I live in the Heights. You live in the Heights. You yep. work in the Heights. In the Heights, if anyone isn't listening is a neighborhood in jersey city 
And so uh, you opened yeah. that up uh, how, about how long ago now? About two years? No, or like a little over a year. A little actually. over a year. Okay. Yeah. This, yeah. The uh, we oh, the soft opening was in June, but then we really opened okay, our yeah. doors in September. Yeah. So kind of yeah, awesome. a year or so. It's been uh, it's been great. <laughs> 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 Lots of challenges this year, but yeah. I mean, I definitely want to get into the business, but first, uh, well, why don't you introduce yourself? and tell the foodies what you're doing. Uh, um, my name is Laura Marchetti and I'm uh, Italian, born and raised, and I live in the Heights and I'm the owner of Riverview Wine and Spirits in uh, uh, Jersey City. Um, I'm the wine buyer, I'm the cleaning lady, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm the person that takes out the recycle. Uh, so I basically run my own show. I do have fantastic staff though, that's definitely there to support me and help me with a lot of stuff. So that's I was awesome. lucky, yeah. So you're Italian, you grew up in Italy? Yeah, born and raised in Italy. I moved to the States when I was um, uh, 26 the first time. Okay. Yeah. So growing up, you know who was cooking what were you eating tell me tell me about that yeah so as you guys might know um italian food is very regional mm -hmm. focus so i grew up in this teeny tiny village called cupra maritima on the adriatic coast in center italy facing croatia five thousand people uh not really big city around i would say probably rome is the biggest city three hours um away and uh, so i was just raised on local food whatever yeah. was the local cuisine and my grandma was the the chef of the household uh, very simple uh, very uh, simple food very ingredient focused so you know toma local tomatoes for our tomato sauce um, being a, a seaside place we were eating a lot of fish so vongole for example was one of the main uh, pasta con le vongole spaghetti with the vongole uh, were one of the main dish that I grew up with so uh, very simple vegetable like chicory uh, forage, nonetheless. So there were like old ladies that were foraging like <laughs> <laughs> asparagus. So I grew up on forage food and local products. So I'm incredibly lucky. Yeah. And I didn't realize that until, until I came here, honestly. <laughs> That's what America does. Doesn't make you realize how good you had it till you left. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, for certain things, for certain things, I definitely got, uh, you know, the bag of the, the, the new world um, energy, enthusiasm, vision. I, I mm -hmm. uh, got me good. So I'm, I'm not planning to go back to Italy anytime soon. So, you know, it's like <laughs> balance straight off, you know, so. So you guys were foraging for food before it was a popular, you know, <laughs> thing before it was, uh, yeah, hip to do so. Totally. Before urban foraging and all that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what you do. I mean, obviously, it's the privilege of being um, raised on a very small mm -hmm. community. Um, of course, you know, big city, Milan, Rome, it's very different. But yeah. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, if you're American or, I mean, I'm sure from plenty of other countries, until you visit Europe, you know, obviously we, 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 learn, we learn world history, European history, and we see the cutout of the countries on a map. Until you're there, and when I started traveling and realizing like, oh, like living there, living in Italy, to go to another country is like for us to go to another state. Now, we're, we're, when you were living in Italy, were, were you guys 
venturing out and having because you know like you said there's just even so many different cuisine regional cuisines in italy so then you cross the border into switzerland or if you go to france and spain or croatia there's just so many i mean at that point it was what yugoslavia yeah yeah yeah, totally yeah i um so yeah no that's one of the great thing of coming to united states it it was being exposed to many different cuisines Mm -hmm. and i was lucky enough to study a year abroad in france so i i was i got familiar with french wines and with the french food uh but very late in life i um i didn't have any um, american or california wine until um, I got here, yeah. so even if wine was a passion of mine since yeah, I, you know I was like relatively young, um, the opportunity, the, the the beautiful things you are exposed here um, are really not available sometimes in Italy. At the end of the day, it's still a very provincial place. It's so. Uh, so I mean, with yeah, with wine, I mean it's definitely a part of Italian culture. Uh, what was your introduction to it? When did you start drinking it? And even more so, I always said it was an acquired taste, which I had not acquired yet when I was younger. You know, now I'm now I'm drinking it. I'm not very knowledgeable on it, but uh, yeah, like when? Just tell me about that process. Well, wine is an, something that happens naturally uh, on the, on the Italian table every every day. So my grandma was having a glass of white wine with her meal. Uh, so was my dad and my so I for me it was always something that was incredibly comfortable around and we can start drinking when we are a little young so I started drinking actually my first like uh, sip of wine probably I was 15 16 and you learn to do it with moderation and it's not something that you do to get wasted or high or anything (laughs) it's just yeah it just an ingredient of your meal or like a part of your meal yeah um so i never really pairing it it. It, correct exactly so i never really got drunk on on wine until then you know you go to college you go to parties and that's all different you start experimenting and whatever but um that said i didn't start studying wine and learn about wine uh until i came to the states when i enrolled because uh, as an italian always in america i always had like a preferential no treatment but like kind of like my the doors were opening towards the food and beverage industry for mm. me as a career um so working in restaurants and uh, hotels and hospitality in general then uh, i finally realized that wine was my passion that's what i wanted to do and start taking it a little bit more seriously going to some school i uh, took classes i started like tasting with um, a little bit more mindful approach okay. um and then, uh, and then I decided that um, retail was actually what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, uh, what was it like going to SOM school and all all, all that? Um, I think it, it it was very structured, and that helped. But I, you don't you don't need to take it to you uh, to court. Like in the sense that SOM school gives you the tool to understand how to approach wine, mm-hmm. but it's not much about the appellations or like the academic part of it yeah. it's more getting a sense and then run with it and go whenever it takes you like they didn't tell me the working and harvest was actually like something important but i think if you want to get into the world of wine one of the first thing you should do is go on the vineyard in the vineyard with a farmer and and you know break your back harvesting grapes and see actually <laughs> 
like how yeah. these things come about. Yeah, getting a good sense of just the whole process. Exactly. And just appreciating where it comes from. I remember when I was in college and I was studying film, one of my professors, I don't know if you remember the show Mad Men, mm -hmm. uh, she was like a season one writer. And so she, they brought in, she brought in, uh, I think it was one of the, he was one of the directors, you know, because in TV, there's not always the same director every episode. But um, I said to him, I said, I want to I want to direct like what advice do you have? And he's like, work as many positions as you can work lighting, work sound. He's like, I know it's impossible because like if you watch the credits to something, there's endless positions, yeah. you know, like, yeah, maybe you're not going to work hair and makeup and costumes or you're you know, not going to be in front of camera that you're acting or something like that but just work as many positions as possible so that when you're directing and you are you know ultimately while you have you know subordinates that are then in charge of each uh department that you will appreciate you know because your job is definitely involving time management Absolutely. and everything like that that you understand like okay th like i know what we're filming today i know that we've got five actors talking versus one actor so it's going to take audio a little longer to set that up better or, sense yeah just a better sense and a better appreciation so yeah that sounds like what you do. Um, 100 yeah. percent, exactly and then you so you said even before that you were working in you worked in hotels and everything yeah, did yes. you, and did you work in any i mean that you know definitely is a spectrum of what foodie films is about and under, understanding that, but I mean, were you working in food as well or? Uh, as I always, as a, I worked uh, uh, Pizzeria Mozza in LA has one of the bartenders. Oh, wow. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was a fantastic experience. I learned, I learned so much from them. It's, it's, it's just like thankful forever. Yeah. Uh, having this like very deep cellar of fantastic wines that on a daily basis I had access to. It was just like awesome. Yeah. But then again, that helped me realize that I'm not the greatest bartender. Like I, I am, I'm a little bit of an introvert, actually. And I like to be a facilitator of other people parties and I love to give recommendations. So I thought that I think retail is what I do best, like yeah. have my neighbor shop, connect with people, give them what they are looking for and send them their way to have the best pairing or the best party or whatever. Yeah, I love that. I always say like one of my favorite things is to recommend a restaurant to somebody and then even and if i know the person well i'm gonna i'll know that what their interest is and even if it's a good restaurant maybe i won't tell certain friends or recommend it to certain friends because they're not into that cuisine exactly. or what what have you but uh yeah that's always uh, yeah it's, that's definitely an awesome aspect of retail i'm sure is just that i mean yeah. at the times i've been in your store and you were helping me peruse and everything like oh, that oh yeah thank uh, you that's, that's that's what makes it fun you know like ordering and you know yeah. the back of the house stuff it's boring when i really like it's beyond the floor and i wish i could start doing it even more and more but sometimes when you're your own business you're drawn you know back in the office and there are paperworks and then but um i make a point to staying on the floor and talk to my customers that often become my friends or like as much as possible yeah so what made you move to the states well uh i don't know i i as i said like i won the scholarship in 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 france so i lived in paris for a couple of years and i, w I at that time was very fluent in uh in french but i didn't i didn't learn english at school ever really so i was like you know i um maybe spending a summer in new york and learn english could help my career and at that time i was in uh, communication and marketing and journalism so completely different path um 
when I just completely fell in love with New York City. Because yeah. I didn't speak a word of English and I felt so comfortable, so comfortable. <laughs> I was like the energy, the people, the, it was over, I, I felt like I was in a movie, in, in a fantastic movie, you know, it, it's, it was challenging, it was tough yeah. and I, I was broke. Um, what neighborhood were you living in? Uh, I was in uh, Park Slope. Okay, yeah. yeah. And we're talking about 2006, so of course it was very safe. Of course, of course New York was very uh, polished, you know, but I think I got a little bit of the last nitty-gritty rough around the edges, kind yeah. of like Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, Williamsburg definitely. was Williamsburg, but it definitely wasn't the Williamsburg that's now. I yeah, was able to do happy hours. And Bushwick was oh, still. Bushwick, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, Bushwick was the desert. It's like, yeah. so um, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I was able to experience a little bit of the old New York yeah. before it you know, became something else. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely something to be said about gentrification. Hey, we're sitting outside in a, on a lovely day in a lovely yeah. park right now. Your husband's son are playing yeah, <laughs> on, yeah, the, play, no, on the playground. <laughs> like it's a, you know, the heights, like the heights, even just five, you know, ten, you know, ten years ago, it's it just even oh. just the change that's happened. It's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading. Uh, someone posted an article about Jersey City, one of the being one of the fastest town in the United States, is actually being gentrified. Uh, and I'm not against gentrification, but if, it's nice when it, it would be nice if it could happen a little bit more organically and a little bit more slow, you know, slowly but surely. Yeah. So you don't rush into certain things that yes. you're just like, oh, now we're just because you want to. I mean, the whole thing with gentrification is, uh, well, not the whole thing. I mean, who, who am I, a white guy saying this right now? But I mean, you want to keep just as much of uh, individuality. Yeah. As a city, I think I think that's the big that some cities that move too fast don't keep that, and they get this like cookie cutter kind of yeah. sensibility to it. Absolutely. As far as the aesthetic and the food and like the, that that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So we'll see. Hopefully, but the Heights, I think, like there's a, such a strong community, and that's actually <laughs> one of the reasons why I wanted to open my my shop up here. Um, that I think we will the Heights will always keep. The, its identity, hopefully, mm -hmm. even with the newcomers. Yeah. So getting getting to Riverview, what was the final like? Did you have an aha moment? Like this is okay. This is what I'm pursuing. Yeah, and uh, you know the liquor industry in Jersey, it's super challenging. It's, it's really really difficult. So I have been uh, because of the lack of availability of liquor licenses, because of the price of it. So it took me about like three years. So the Riverview, I was doing a Riverview. I was working in Riverview for a long long time. Like, and it took me three years and three projects that didn't go through before I was uh, finally able to secure myself a liquor license and open in my neighborhood. I was really set. Um, for the heights, I, I raised my child here, and and it's a beautiful community. And it, you know, I think we needed a wine shop. We needed a good wine shop where people wanted yeah. to, you know, not fancy or anything. It's just everyday wines, but someone that knows, you know, what they're doing. Yeah, and hey, you've got. I mean, it's a it's a great location, and we've got a couple of great BYOBs up here. Oh yeah, so. well, I was very lucky. We are blessed <laughs> to have like Cordo around the corner for yeah. sure. Oh yeah, between you got Cordo, you've got. Uh, oh my God, why am I blanking on the name of the? Oh, bread and salt. Bread and salt. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love Le Franklin. There's yeah. like there's so many little uh, mom and pops restaurant. That it's great. Yeah, it's just great. So you open up the store. What goes into just 
that in the curating sense in you know yeah be you know i mean so i mean you not you only you not only uh have just wine you have yeah, spirits and, and, and beers and beers yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my, it's, wine is my forte. So I went in with already kind of like the producer, the distributors. I kind of knew what to do. I worked previously at Cool Vines, downtown Jersey City, mm -hmm. for three years. And I was one of the wine buyers there. Okay. So I kind of had my relationship. I knew the people that I wanted to work with uh, in terms of distribution, etc. That's Be right on Grove, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 And uh, uh, beer and spirits is my challenge. But I think like I learned that the best thing you could do is find the right people to delegate to. Mm -hmm. So um, I have Kyle from Lo-Fi that's helping me a lot. Dylan's a uh, great guy that's been working at PS, the wine bar um, downtown. It's also helping. So I, I, you know, as a as a business owner, my the strengths are also in the people they are like working for me yeah. to make my business successful uh it's it can only i can only do so much it's 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 nice to have a good staff that support you yeah you get that team element going and you recognize like what maybe might not be not even that they, that they aren't your strengths but you just you facilitate it yes exactly exactly and for the for actually as soon as i as i opened like i was really just me so i was doing the beer ordering and i was doing spirits ordering and i'm like okay let me find someone that you know it's it's good at doing that and i can trust and you know and um so now i'm starting to delegate those areas a little bit more uh but craft beer is a lot of fun oh, it's yeah. a lot of fun yeah i was just in uh, long island city yesterday at uh, iconic and big alice and those are two excellent breweries, and I picked up some, uh, like four, th three, four packs of <laughs> beer. Good, from there yeah. It's like, yeah, you get like you go. I mean, you know, I went to the source, and I, was, I had some beers outside there, and that's just, I mean, even just Long Island City. What, like, my my friend and I, he was just like, oh, wouldn't it be great? Because it's all industrial over there, and then there's a random house, and he's like, you know, you wouldn't want to live have lived here again, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but now, like. You have like a craft brewery and it's crazy. Um, but uh, it's a lot to, to keep up with as yeah. well. Like there's so many new breweries, so many new releases. So there's only so much I can do. Yeah. So what have you found as far as even just like uh, difficulties, but then things and then even successes with the store? What have you, I mean, also, hey, let's face it, you opened it up not too long before a global pandemic yeah so. yeah so i was definitely retail fell in the right side if there is not right side of covid but definitely like especially my business was deemed essential so i was able to stay open throughout the pandemic and that was a blessing uh the downside of it is that being such a new business i had kind of just had my wheel in motion and my system figured out and then I had to shut down the operation, reconfigure everything and reopen my business according to COVID. Um, so it was incredibly stressful. And then and then now there's phase three and things keep cha changing. So one of the biggest challenges this year for me definitely was it, I almost felt I had to open the store three times. Yeah. So you go through the same kind of stress and re rearranging the operation. So that was tough. But at the same time, um, I was able to stay open. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, it was great. So business was really, really great. 
Yeah, and for, I mean, at first you guys were doing curbside pickup, mm -hmm. and now people can go Good. into the store. And, Correct. Yeah, yeah. We are just respecting social distancing, so mm -hmm. only four people at the time, and we are still offering curbside pickup and uh, deliveries because we totally understand if someone doesn't feel comfortable coming in. Although you know, we take all the precautions, masks, and and uh, cleaning everything, and and sanitizer and, and such. And a big thing with you and your store is natural wines. So for, so for those out there, why don't you ex kind of explain what natural wines means and, and why it's such a passion of yours? Well, okay, so uh, natural wine, I would say, yes, it's uh, natural wine are, uh, natural wine is my focus at the shop. I wouldn't say they're 100% natural. I also have just like some organic wines or leaning natural, low intervention. Uh, but first of all, is a taste that I'm familiar with like uh, I remember like my grandma was drinking a very hazy and filtered um, if you will a little funky passerina <laughs> which is the it was the wine that she was getting from by the jugs by the farmer uh, next door so it's something that for me is again has been always like very natural and familiar like um, and, and natural wine it's a wine that's made with the minimal intervention in the vineyard, so not pesticides, not herbicides, um, and also minimal intervention in the cellar. So the winemaker doesn't use any industrial yeast, it doesn't use any um, clar uh, agent, they are gonna clarify the wine, because if you think about it, it's, it's this, this agricultural product, it's not crystal clear, perfect um, uh, by nature. It's actually something that, um, it's quite, you know, it's quite funky and well, not dirty, but like, you know, definitely <laughs> hazy, um, deliciously yeah. so, because the more you take away and you make it look shiny and perfect and limpid and crystal clear, the more you take away from the flavor and the terroir, mm -hmm. you know, it's become this standardized taste. Um, and that, I don't like that. I think it, yeah. it takes away from the experience, from the character. Um, so natural wine is going back and uh, to discover this ancient technique of uh, fermentation, basically, uh, in the cellar and just like minimal, minimal keeping up in the in the vineyards. Well, it just goes back to you when you're younger and just what your family was doing that you're you're foraging. It just falls into I feel like <laughs> yeah. that category right yeah, for, yeah i mean i I picked up a lovely bottle of uh, rosada that you recommended while when i was at your store i took a picture so i'll i'll, t I'll tag it when uh when this episode comes out but yeah i love just it's something you have written on the website you know real wine made by real people who handpicked their grapes got dirt under their fingernails and respected the whimsies of nature exactly <laughs> we're respecting the whimsies of nature right now too as we, yeah, we, are <laughs> we hear some musicians in the background, young yeah. musicians at hand. Yeah, future musicians, <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, man, it, it's a product that's made by 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 farmers. So so yeah, people, hard, the hard worker, people in the field. That I wanted to showcase and and respect. Yeah, and so during all this during the pandemic, you guys were broken into. Yeah, man, that's, that sucked. I know. So I could say. I mean, just get, if if you don't mind sharing, I mean, what did you know? You you moved to this neighborhood. You open up a business. Just what? 
I mean, what did that feel like? What did that, what did that mean? Oh, it felt, it felt so horrible. Uh, it felt really, really horrible. And, and I really, I really didn't know how to pick up myself again. It was, I was, it was emotionally, physically and emotionally, uh, a really, really severe, intense, bad, um, position that I was finding myself into. Um, I didn't want to blame the neighborhood. I didn't feel like it was the it wasn't the right location. It's not that. It was just a feeling of violation mm-hmm. that um, I was carrying with me. But then again, like I rushed, I kind of like talked to some friends and people, and the people, this burglar, they didn't trash my shop. I still had my business, and that was the most important thing. Like they didn't break the bottles. Um, they didn't smash it. So Riverview, at the end of the day, was okay. Money come and goes, you know? Yeah. But my business was okay. So I was trying to focusing on that. I was able to clean up and reopen in two days. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like a fire. A fire, for example, would have been much worse in the sense I would have lost everything. Yeah. You know, I lost few months, you know, money, whatever. It's, I, I'll, I can't pick up myself again because I have everything here and the community supporting me tremendously. So thank you for that. And uh, and now it's just a bad memories. Yeah. Just a bad memory. I'm sorry that happened, but I mean, thank you for sharing. No, of course. I, 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 I love the aesthetic of your store, even from the, the painting, the mural, the, the logo on the <laughs> outside. And the fact that, I mean, I have to appreciate, I was, uh, uh, I still even work random days at a deli in my hometown. It's like a second family to me. You guys opened up what used to be a, a deli shop, right? Yeah, Mankeys. Mankeys. <laughs> Mankeys is such an institution in the Heights. I heard stories. Yeah. Um, I have people coming here and say, hey, I was, I was coming here and buy, you know, candies when I was three years old. So I want to kind of preserve um, the old sign mm-hmm. uh, that was intact from the 60s. So I just flipped it and now you can admire it from inside the store. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and a lot of people were very happy because since the place closed in the 90s, I think, up until I opened, there was nothing there. Wow. There's yeah. nothing. So, and then regarding the aesthetic, thank you so much. Um, I have, we have a lot of friends. They are like either designer or artists. So I just uh, got their help. Like I, I reached out to my friends and their talents uh, to, to help me create yeah. the aesthetic and the logo and et cetera. You just, I, I mean, what, and one of the biggest things I love about Jersey City is, to me, it's like a, a kind of a perfect size city because it still just has such a, every neighborhood, but then even the city itself just has such a community vibe to mm-hmm. it. And I think that's something that you're really contributing to the city as well. And with, uh, I mean, with tastings, hopefully that'll obviously... Can't wait. Yeah, right? <laughs> Can't wait for that to happen again. <laughs> yeah, what are, some, what are some of the bigger things that you're just like, you know, Missing. Yeah. Uh, well, during the lockdown, I definitely missed the uh, interaction with my customers. And now I'm getting that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I sell a lot of esoteric um, wines, a lot a lot of indigenous variety that nobody heard of. And I'm so lucky that uh, my customers are trusting us. But it, tasting is, is important, yeah, first of all, to educate. So we offer kind of like free education on, on the wines that we were used to pour at tasting. And also, um, you know, when you buy something that you don't know anything about it, it definitely helped like get a little taste of it. So that's, that's I can't wait to 
get back at that. And then also we were doing a lot of events. We were doing classes. Um, yeah. Hopefully next year. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, that uh, obviously change will come, but that's just something that I can see is, you know, obviously a lot of people in the industry and just, I mean, everyone in general, but people in food and drink are struggling with because it's just, it's a, it's a service industry and you're, yeah. just, and you're wanting to serve uh, the community and the individuals. And I mean, even just at your store, you have, you know, breads and cheeses mm -hmm. and yeah. just working with other, uh, right, dark pines. Yeah, it's totally. Sometimes yeah. I buy my cheese directly from the creamery. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah sorry. And I don't carry, unfortunately, chocolate pan baguettes anymore because okay. they stopped doing that. Oh, yeah. But I had it up until like the last <laughs> before the, <laughs> the lockdown. Hopefully those those relationship um, we will we will pick up again once everything goes back to normal. Anything as far as the business uh, growth or d dreams? Anything that you're just like? Yeah, yeah. I would love. Uh, I would love to. I mean, I I would love to move to a little bit bigger location. Like okay. I love. I love the the size is perfect. Has like because it's a lot to manage. So starting small and uh, it was perfect. But my challenge, the challenge I had, what I would like to achieve is keeping boutique and highly curated mm -hmm. with a little bit more of a square footage. Yeah. That that would be ideal. So, so it's like a, what, the balance of growing, but keeping the core value, if you will, of what I want to do in terms of offering and not mm -hmm. becoming just a box store. Yeah. You know, keep, keep it interesting and cool, but a little bigger. <laughs> A place that I really love in one of my favorite cities, New Orleans, is uh, it's a place called Bacchanal, mm. which uh, supposedly is getting, a, uh, uh, my friend told me, is getting a lot of uh, recognition in the wine community because, so it's a little storefront and it's in one of like the older, I mean, New Orleans, there's so many old buildings there, uh, but it's a, so it's a wine shop and then you walk around to the back, like you can purchase your wine and then uh You'll you you take it out with you. They'll you know cork it for you, and then you can also pick up cheese and bread in the store, and then they'll and charcuterie, and they'll they'll make a platter for you. And you go out into the back, and it's this big open space. And then they have a stage, and they have live music. And I guess they kind of do that because then they don't have to. It's you know technically still like I guess you're purchasing there, but then it's a BYOB, and so. That's their little way around it, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. That, that's something that we will definitely try to do if with a bigger space. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of, I shouldn't say that on record, but trick the NGABC into thinking <laughs> that's like two different operations. Yeah. Um, and they will actually be, but like next to each other. So there can be a little bit more of a fluidity between yeah. the spaces. Um, we have to get creative with uh, such a restrictive rules of the ABC in Jersey. You mm -hmm. have to do it that way. Jersey is just so tough on just so many things. I mean, I've talked to plenty of people and friends with plenty of people as far as breweries and just everything that they have to go through, what like they can have X amount of events a year, X amount of TVs in their you know establishment, uh, just because your you know regular bars are also fighting, you know, wanting to keep them from it's like I, competing, I just yeah, competing. I but uh, again, that's part fair. of community that uh, I mean, now that even even next to uh, Departed Souls, which was Jersey City's only brewery for a while. Now 902 is here as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, you've got Homegrown right next to it, which Homegrown has only it's just like this little uh, 
kind of like little stand you definitely you drink outside or you can pick up beer but they have only new jersey beers there and so it's just something that i feel like people need to just that's the kind of stuff you just have to embrace more and then you know totally exactly one of the things that the um you know the liquor licenses are costing so much money then whoever's invested on it is kind of like guarding it as and being very conservative and trying to keep as many people out of this business. But look at New York City. I mean, there's wine stores next to each other and they're all doing well. I don't understand why it couldn't be what people are so afraid. Healthy competition is great. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's, I think there's enough people here. And I mean, even as you saw in the pandemic, I mean, people, there's, you know, few things out there that people are, you know, always want to buy and wine and liquor and beer is <laughs> yes, it's is true. So like, it's <laughs> totally yeah definitely i saw at the biggest funny how at the beginning was like wine so at the beginning of the pandemic everybody was you know focusing on wine and trying to be you know like more european okay we're gonna yeah. have dinner at home and we're gonna pair wine and we're then we're gonna bake sourdough exactly and, <laughs> so like, and, then, and then transitioning then it started beer 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 and then towards the end i was like spirit spirit booze 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 go go I'm like wow and that's like the opposite of how you should be drinking you start with the spirits and then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could tell that they had enough i was like okay i need something stronger now let me get back to booze oh, uh, that was funny to see the trend for sure <laughs> Well, it wouldn't be foodie films if we didn't talk a uh, like a food scene or, you know, just discuss some food movies. You gave me some of your favorites. I, I love it because there's some movies that we've done. So on on foodie films, we do episodes like this that are dubbed first cut where I get to talk with people that work in the industry. And then I have my food centric episode movies. And so we have, you know, we did an episode, you know, covering Big Night, Marie Antoinette. Oh. Uh, I definitely am going to cover La Grande Buffet. And uh, I've talked a bunch of scenes from Pulp Fiction, but I, I love it because when you sent me that, I'm just like, this is what it's about. This is, these are the movies that are making an impression on people. So just as far as do you have like a favorite scene from like one of the, from one of those movies? I mean, Big Big Night is just yeah, was, up there as far as like definitely in the spec like top five food movies. Oh yeah, absolutely, and it's very because the, I would say the last scene is fantastic when they are quiet. There is not one word spoken, um, and Primo or Secondo, one of the brothers, like mm -hmm. is just making omelette. Like the scene. Oh, the, yeah, the final scene. Exactly. The final scene. The making of me like this, like, so, and it, there's no need for words. Like, you know exactly what they're thinking, how they're feeling, what's going on, and the simplicity of making themselves like breakfast. It was simple, probably fantastic, delicious uh, omelette. Um, so, that's great and then the other scene on the movie that's very dear to me because it's a dish that uh, my grandma was used to make and it's incredibly technical and incredibly difficult to make it's the timpano, timpano as they call it yeah we call it timballo so every region has like its own variation but man it takes uh, uh, days it's an extra long preparation it's this complicated ratio that you have to get right in order for the um savory cake to not uh, or pie to not collapse with all the stuffing and and so yeah i they, they, i could identify with the passion and uh, it's very emotional for me and um, uh, the proud, you know, making it for this star that never showed up. Yeah. That never showed up. So they were set up for failure. <sighs> yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking <laughs> movie, but it's such a beautiful movie. And this movie about 
brothers and oh, yeah just the that relationship the relationship and just that last scene like you said just the because it's just cooking eggs and it's just it's breakfast it's the first meal of the day it's just it's eggs it's comforting and they're just quiet and eating and I, I love it well it's it's Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci and Mark Anthony and, and Mark Anthony we ran yeah. there yeah <laughs> super young uh I love Stanley Tucci is coming out with a he has a couple of cookbooks already but he's co coming out with an uh like a biography or autobiography uh just about his life and food and so I'm oh, really cool. looking forward to wow. that yeah awesome. Stanley Tucci is just like such a national treasure. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I love him. And I love him too. Yeah, just him him and uh, Tony Shalhoub's brothers. Yeah. So good in that save movie. Uh, no, save this one for Louis Prima. Okay, okay. Okay. Catch you later, man. Maybe two hours still. No, no, we have to serve now. I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> Wait, cut the table. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I worry it's gonna be two hours going to fall That's why I say it's two hours. No, no, no. We don't have time for two hours. Let's go. Come on, come on. Christian, open the door. All, all those movies. I very much look forward to uh, Le Grand uh, Buffet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's intense. It's a. Man, it's a drama, it's a comedy. So these four bachelors yeah. that uh, they made the conscious decision to eat themselves to death. Yeah. It's, they are such a like the epitome of what like bourgeois was to be in the 70s, like in, in mm -hmm. Europe. And they did it all. They, they, they didn't know how to satisfy themselves anymore. They, <laughs> they were just kind of like shell of, 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 of a man, really. And they just decided to fill up their voids, the internal voids, with, uh, with this delicious, decadent mo uh, food. Uh, it's, it's dark, it's funny, um, it's dramatic. Um, yeah, I love it. I highly recommend it. Maybe I'll have to have you on to discuss the movie. I would love to do that. I would love to do that. <laughs> well, last but not least, we have our little speed round of questions. So this is called Gut Instincts, so it's just whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Favorite fast food? Oh my god. McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Oh, I'm right there with you. McDonald's. French fries. French fries! That was my first... Foodies have heard this before. That was my first solid food. Like, I was, wow. yeah, it was, I was born to be the way that I am because oh. that was my first <laughs> McDonald's. That is, I mean, talk about so comforting. Yeah. Perfect. I mean, that is nostalgia for me. Like I've, I, and I've, I've talked about it with other people, but just like as a, then a kid, like a happy meal. And when you made the transition to like, like a, you know, a quarter pounder, especially then like getting a Big Mac, that was just like, that was like, that was my bar mitzvah. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was blown away. So, like, an explosion of, of, of flavor in my mouth the first time I tasted it. It was like, <gasps> wow. I was just face it. I think McDonald's in like other countries is even better than it is here. They just. <laughs> I know. In fact, I had it in Rome, in Italy, the first time I, <laughs> I had it. I was like, oh. <laughs> go-to alcoholic beverage well uh of course wine to be mm. sp more specific i love bubbles so okay. give me anything in patna give me a champagne i'm like just a happier mm -hmm. uh, gall for sure 
Favorite childhood snack? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know why it's taking me so long to say that. Uh, probably it was a slice of bread with butter mm -hmm. and sugar on top. Ooh. That was right. my grandma was making me this uh, like fresh baked, you know, uh, uh, bread and then just, you know, butter and sugar they go just just go together <laughs> it's the sweet and savory right there yeah which leads perfectly to the next question sweet or savory well that said i'm more of a savory person okay i'm more i grew up into being more savory so anything give me cheese the stinkier the better uh crackers <laughs> anything yeah. savory I'll, I feel, and, and savory definitely i mean obviously there are dessert wines and everything like that but you know i feel like savory just come you know goes much better with wine yes it's, so. it definitely is, yes it's more yeah accompanies it much better favorite food city uh in the states and international oh man food city yeah uh well i cannot say new york yeah it's just <laughs> I was thinking about the other because also for what I was exposed to, I did travel in the northwest uh, a little bit, mm -hmm. um, a little bit the south. But I mean, what you can find in New York, like from pizza yeah. to Queens and Thai food, yeah, it's just I, nothing can beat that. <laughs> um, outside of the states, well, I gotta say Rome. Yeah, I gotta say Rome. I, that's the only place in Italy that I've been to. When I was on a trip, I was, uh, you know, I planned it. I was doing kind of jumping all around. But uh, Iceland, I went, you know, started off with a big group of friends and we kept getting smaller and smaller. But then we went to Budapest for a festival. And then I was going, and then we went to Greece and I was going to Croatia after that. But there were no direct uh, or affordable direct flights from Greece to Croatia for some reason. And so I just, I looked and... I, I had a couple like two days before I was taking this like uh, cruise of the Dalmatian coast and I saw it was cheaper to fly to Rome and then Rome to uh, split. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I was just like, like so I get to do two days in Rome. Awesome. And I had a blast. Oh, yeah. 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 The cuisine, the Roman cuisine is rich and flavorful. Um, it's just delicious. One in Rome. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, favorite cuisine. I'm gonna be such a cliche. It's 100% Italian cuisine. I can't just, I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna pretend, you know? Uh -huh. It is what it is. Uh, it's Do a, you wanna it's get specific regional? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. For me, I mean, I love pasta. It's just about Eastern gratification. I studied in Bologna, so I have to say that the stuff, like the tortellini, the ravioli, uh, it's just Bologna. Emilia Romagna in general uh, does its tremendous job <laughs> with anything uh, related to um, fresh made pasta and mm -hmm. you know so um, yeah I love it I just love it guilty pleasure food there is such a thing like the guilty pleasure food let me think what I'm snacking that I'm not supposed to yeah um, I I don't think it's necessarily like bad, but I do sometimes indulge in peanut butter. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
peanut butter is like I can't I see a jar open especially now with the baby like we always have peanut butter around I'm like oh my god that's definitely that's well as far as uh, guilty pleasure that's one of the better ones you know so, mine is like potato chips which are just not good for you <laughs> favorite condiment olive oil olive oil olive oil is the king are you Italian no, no surprise here. There's no surprises. I tell That's, you, I'm yeah. by the book Italian. Oh. There's nothing I can do about it. I always say to my, my anyone like once they start getting know, getting to know me, I'm I just say I'm a picture book. I'm not you know, I'm not Homer's Odyssey. I'm not. <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you that much. Like I, if there is olive oil in the house and the fridge is empty. I'm able to cook a fine meal. Mm -hmm. Give me all the ingredients, but there's not olive oil. I, I'm not, I can't cook. I get paralyzed. I'm like, oh, I just you know the, the, the bones, the structure, the base of my meal. Like I can't, I can't figure out what to make. Do you have a favorite olive oil? Because I think that's something that people don't realize that there's just such oh, a, many different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say, well, again, I, I, there is um, my count in the countryside where I'm from. Uh, there is um, um, this very good olive oil i'm blanking on the variety but besides that because it's the flavor i know the most uh there is the oliveta jasca like ligurian olive oil so like uh, nord uh, northwest mm -hmm. makes like excellent like very spicy um kind of you want it to be like flavorful but at the end it has to be like nice and spicy yeah that's what what's the last thing you ate uh well that's the last thing we ate so Last meal, you mean, or? Yeah, but so, it, well, I, w not what would be your last meal. That's that's actually, I think, the, that's the, the next question. But what's the, just the last thing you had to eat? To, yeah, to, to noticeable. Yesterday, we were in, we were in Clifton, um, just to do some grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. And we stopped at a Lebanese restaurant. Oh. So we had, like, Lebanese food, um, Beirut Cafe, I think it was yeah. called. And it was excellent. So we did all mezzas plate, uh, plates. So the labne, um, the hummus, the baba ganoush, nice. which is the pita. And it was quick. It was delicious, baby friendly. Um, so yeah, we were really pleased. Yeah, Clifton's a pretty diverse town. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It was around there. Oh, around I think there. it was the town. I, okay. Sorry. Bye. What would be your last meal? Again, not surprising. Not surprising. <laughs> not surprising. Yeah. I think the simpler and most gratifying Italian dish, which is spaghetti col pomodoro, mm -hmm. and it's very sentimental. As you said, like sometimes we like food because it brings them. Yeah, that nostalgia. Us back, yeah. You know, the, yeah. The and and so that would be it. Like a little bit of basil, like made as my grandma was used to made. Um, that's it. That's all I want. Nothing fancy. <laughs> no dessert. Uh, maybe an amaro. Okay. Digestive. <laughs> dine in, like cooking at home or dining out? Both, I have to say. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I yeah. were really good with cooking at home. Mm -hmm. Just uh, going to the farmer's market, get the best ingredients because that's what all about. We don't really cook stuff that require a lot of technique, like mm -hmm. maybe French cuisine, you know, where you really have to be skillful. Like for Italian um, style food, it's all about the ingredients mostly, most of the time. So we were really good to do that. Um, but then dining out is such an experience that we enjoy as well. Like. Yeah. different kind of food having someone prepare it for you going you know 
chef that know what they're doing. It's, it's, it's a fantastic experience. So we kind of, it's, it's a balance for us. Being foodies and loving food so much, and we, we were used to go to the city at least once a month and try a different restaurant. And, you know, it's hard between the baby, the business and COVID. Obviously, we are not doing that as much, yeah. but I've been recently at Corto and I was so pleased. Oh, yeah, it's one of my favorites. It's, yeah. They did fantastic. So. Spirit food. What food do you think best embodies you or it could be, hey, you, 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 you work in beverage. It could be a, a, a drink as well, a nice, a nice bottle of something. But what do you think best represents you, your personality? Uh, I would say pasta because it comes in many different shapes and forms okay. and it's very versatile and you can you know you can do different sauces as well and I'm a little moody and I'm you know so I change a lot uh, uh, so, so I think pasta sometimes I'm in the mood for spaghetti sometimes for yeah. penne sometimes for tortellini and so on so and al dente. that's the only constant thing like that always al dente and then you can give me like a different spectrum yeah. of like shapes and, yeah. and sauce it's gotta be enough salt in the water yeah yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, in, a, in a world, well, actually, well, people can actually, uh, what, tw I forget how many per percentage can go into movie theaters now, but you go to the movies, what kind of uh, snack are you having? Oh, popcorn. Popcorn, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, popcorn for sure. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to get into the butter popcorn that you guys have, that yeah. pump and banana. <laughs> artificial. I don't yeah, know yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> and last but not least, a great, if not greatest lesson you've learned when it comes to food and or drink. Lesson? Yeah, just a great lesson. Oh, yeah. You've got to be open-minded. Mm -hmm. You can't say that you don't like something. You can't say that you're not up for trying something. It's it's all about the experience. So in order to enjoy it by its full potential, you got to be a yes-sayer. you got to be open to it. Um, you got to be brave. That's what's taught me. I, I never had, a, again, like, you know, Asian cuisine before coming to the States or Mexican, for instance. Like, we, we don't you I'm not, i wasn't gonna be picky and say no yeah you know you that's that's the biggest lesson is like not be provincial open your horizon <laughs> it's a great lesson i think so <laughs> <laughs> laura thank you so much for coming on foodie films oh well, thank you it was a pleasure it was a lot of fun thank you so much uh please right now tell the foodies where they can find you obviously you know the store itself and any uh, social media all that good stuff yeah social media uh, is uh, riverview wine jc follow us i put a lot of updates in there all the new wines all the new beers and we are 43 bowers um street in jersey city heights um and uh, we are open seven days a week so awesome. we're there yeah We'll go get you to work now, but <laughs> uh, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. Something my grandmother always says, she is from uh, Northern Italy, uh, is there's more to cut. It's just something that she said, like when the plate is getting empty, she's like, oh, don't worry, there's more to cut. I feel like that just transcends into, into life, that there's just more out there. So if you wouldn't mind telling the foodies out there that there's more to cut. There's more to cut. Awesome. <laughs> I think we're saying that at the perfect time because kids are getting uh, uh, rowdy. A little rowdy. Well, thank you again. Bye, thank you. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy and I feel like I'm loving you. Love you such a sweet